Lay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Nigga. Yeah. Alright, already the show goes on all night. Till uh. the morning we dream so long. Mm -hmm. Anybody ever wonder when they will see the thunder? Just remember when you come up. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. This week, we'll be previewing the 2019 Travelers Championship. Uh, it's a fun one. It's actually a better field than I expected going on. And in order to break it all down, my co-host, as always, you can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, how are we doing, man? Doing pretty good, dude. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm tired. But uh, another Monday in the books, another podcast breaking down this week's uh, PGA action, so I'm looking forward to it. It's a little different Monday for you, seeing as how you were at Pebble Beach Golf Links yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, a great day. It was a beautiful day. Got to a uh, bucket list item, cross off, uh, basically been able to reach out and touch El Tigre, but, uh, and he looks worse for wear. I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, it, I, he does not look good these days. He looks old and tired, so... That was interesting to see him up that close and personal, but uh, still playing good golf. But it was, yeah, it was fun seeing some of the best of the best because we were talking beforehand. I've, I go to the Pro-Am every year a couple days each time, and you see some good golfers there. But this was just like one after another after another. And it was the stripe shows some of these guys can put on because we made a point to stand on 10 because it's a 526-yard par 5. So it was one of the few holes you're a guaranteed driver. And my goodness, was a spectacle to see some of these guys hit their clubs. But, uh, yeah, I guarantee it. It's 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 crazy. If like, obviously, if you play golf a lot and then you go out and watch these guys, like it's just a whole nother level of golf. You can't even really imagine. It's, it sounds different. Let's just put it that way. It sounds yeah, different. It looks too. different. It's, right. it's wild. But uh, all in all, yeah, it was awesome. The course was great. I know there was a lot of complaints about it because you know U.S. Open carnage. I personally didn't mind it. It was Pebble Beach. What did you expect them to do? You can only lengthen it so much. They did. They lengthened every part they could lengthen. There were spots when I showed up on Tuesday for the practice round, and we talked about it in the Slack chat. I was like, holy crap, they put a T-box there? Like, that would just shock me. But they couldn't do any more lengthwise. They grew the ref out the best they could. They, You know, it got wet, and there's nothing they could do about it. And they're not going to burn Pebble Beach. So, right. Well, you can't. It, no, you hardly. can't. Well, I, I mean, I guess you can. I, I, it looked, I've seen pictures of, like, past tournaments, and it looked, it looked more burnt out, but it's it's just harder to do. It didn't get windy. There's nothing you can do about that, and that could be a right. complaint. That could be a complaint. Like, well, then don't put it somewhere. Well, if it got windy, the scores would have been like minus two. Like, well, it would have been that bad. The same thing with Aaron Hills. Like, yeah. that's the, that was the defense of that golf course, and Brooks shot 16 or whatever he shot there uh, that year. And then, you know, just there was – when there's – like you said, when there's no wind at Pebble, like the only thing they could have done in anticipation of not there not being wind is bringing the fairways in more. Yep. Um, but you know, I mean, how do you know to do that two or three months in advance? And that's when you got to really start growing it out and, and getting everything going. So, I mean, it was, it, for me, it was disappointment from the fact that, you know, you didn't see the carnage, but like at the same time, like the guys really liked the golf course. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was because they, you know, there's a lot of low scores. I don't know. Um, but the greens looked good. They rolled good. Um, and it, it was a it was a good, it was a great golf tournament too. Yeah, and that's the thing is it was still a good golf tournament. The best of the best are still on the leaderboard at the end for the most part. Like you couldn't complain about that. Um, right. If you compare this event to the pro am, the pro am's winners are like twenty under par. So it's not like these guys lit the course up like they do in the pro am. Um, 
And the other factors, if we want to talk the wind game, well, then where's the British Open complaints? Because that's every course over there. If it's not windy, they're going to tear it apart. That's every single course. So I understand. I get the carnage part. Maybe I'm just biased because I love Pebble Beach. Like walking around Pebble Beach is awesome. But um, it played tough. And if you look at the overall scoring, there's a lot of guys that weren't under par, a lot of really good players. And there was only three guys that shot all rounds under par. So it right. it ate people's lunch. It, it was the total, like, that's what the guy said, like Phil and all these guys, why they liked it so much. It rewarded good golf and penalized just slightly off golf. And yeah. that's that's all you can really ask for on a venue where you can't completely destroy it. Right. So I, yeah, I, I, mean, I get both sides of it. I was just, I guess I was on one side that wasn't as popular as the other. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think a lot of it too, especially in our circle, comes from the fact that you know, seventy nine, yeah, seventy nine guys made the cut. Yeah, um, when it's when it's top sixty in ties, so you get seventy nine through when the sixty six percentage is normally very low, uh, and then just a bunch of chalk made it right on the fucking number. And of course, I wasn't on Webb, and he was the highest owned, and then he goes just absolutely the fuck off on mm-hmm. Sunday there, um, un- untold how much he he cost me by doing that, but. Uh, I mean, Gary Woodland got it done, dude. He looked great. He looked really good. I mean, and stared down Brooks Kepka. Um, I really thought, I don't know where you were at when they started their round. Um, and I don't know if you saw it or not, but Brooks on two hit it way right. Would have been OB in the, in the AT&T, uh, pro-am finds it, uh, hits it up short and just an, an got off a lot. He's got one foot way above his, you know, his left foot way above his right foot, and hits one of the greatest shots I've ever seen out of that rough. Um, and then makes a par somehow. And I thought it was just going to be his day, especially after that start. But the Gary's like just he just stayed calm, cool, and collected, and like never got phased. Um, made a few bogeys, but you know, got up and down when he needed to, and. I mean, just looked really confident, man. And it's really hard to do on that kind of stage. So props to him. It was awesome to see because when Brooks was doing that on two, I was sitting on three, just a little past where kind of their their tee shots land for their kind of wedge in. So I was sitting on the side of the hill there on the right side so we could see the the hit ball hit the green and everything, but watch him hit. And it was like Rory's group or whatever was right before Brooks. And you hear, you see the crowd, like you could see two where he was. And this crowd just kind of waves over, but they're coming closer to the third hole and you're wondering what they're doing. And then you hear this just roar. Like you said, basically, he hits this shot. You're like, holy crap. And this guy next to me had one of the ear radios and a bunch of people had. And he's telling us what happened because we already knew Brooks birdied one. And we're watching this, the scoreboard as we're waiting. And then Brooks comes. And it's really interesting because at the Pro-Am, the tees are closer and guys don't try to cut the corner. They just play it safe and wedge it in. Well, here the thing was way, way back. And they're trying to cut it over trees. And a couple of guys were like playing almost – behind the 16th green because they land there and, and wedge it up. But Brooks just hits this bomb. Like, I've never seen a guy hit it where it was. He maybe was like 90 yards out. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. And he wedges it in to within, I think, like three feet or something. The place is going nuts, and he just has this strut. And I'm watching him. He's probably like 50 yards in front of me. And I'm going, oh, pray for Gary Woodland. Like, this guy <laughs> just looks absolutely just like, yep, no one's beating me today. Or if you're going to win, you're going to earn it type thing. Like I'm going to put this pressure on you. But I mean, Gary, Gary was awesome. It was a, it was a great, it was like one of the, like, I, I don't think you could really have a better start 
from Brooks Kepka the, the way he started it. I mean, he, he, I mean, you know, four under through five is, it's fucking nuts on any golf course. Um, he just wasted some big opportunities. The par he did. He, he par five. He did. He, he, did. You know, he should have. He probably should have birdied six, which is well, very birdie hole. Yeah, he should have. I mean, it was six. playing the easiest easiest hole on the golf course. I was texting a buddy all weekend how that hole was playing like minus seventy five thousand billion. Yep, um, it was an automatic weekend. birdie. Of course, everybody I rostered was just parring it. I had one guy double bogey it. I think Decky double bogeyed that hole. He may have tripled it that day. Anyways, long story short, uh, Brooks gets. And then, like, that's – he just couldn't – I mean, he couldn't birdie, you know, 14. He didn't, he didn't 14, he missed 18. the green. It was brutal. Yeah. I mean, and then Gary, dude, coming up um, – I, I, I'm sure you saw it coming up uh, 14. Out of the rough was one of the best shots I've ever well, seen. It, no, he was he was in the fairway. Which and, one Which one was out of the rough then? 14 is par uh, – That five. was, like, 13. Thir- yeah, it was, I think 13. It, was 13. it was 13. Yeah, right for the par 312, yeah. Yeah, so 14, he hits it the fairway, and everybody's like, oh, you know, he's just going to lay up. Dude pulls three wood and just bombs it, uh, flies it on the green, and it's just off to the left or whatever, chips up, makes his, his birdie. And, and then, dude, that shot on fucking 17. That chip? Oh, my God. <laughs> that was like – I literally sat there, and I'm like, okay, he deserves every bit of that trophy right now. That was one of the if best me, shots I've ever seen. If that's me, I would have bladed that over the green yeah. about – 20 yards. I either blade um, that thing into the, the Pacific Ocean or I take like a 12-foot divot out of that green. <laughs> like it was one of the two. But he barely scraped the green, but he lands it on that downslope and then just checks up and goes almost goes in. I yeah, mean, I thought it was going in. Probably not as hard of a shot, but with the pressure on, like that's exactly. a fucking insane shot, dude. Well, we've seen um, we've seen Gary he's 0 for 7 entering tournaments with a right. 54 hole lead. And just, they talked about it plenty on the damn on the uh, call calm cool and collected, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he's got um I heard some people call him Brooks Kepka light and and I, and I, I can that, see yeah. that. But he's got he's also got that just just at least this past week he had that calm cool demeanor and um maybe that's something that he can continue to feed off of for you know, rounds coming up. I, I don't know what his issue's been. I know a lot of it's been with the short game and he had a hell of a fucking week around the greens and on the greens. Um but it'll be it'll be fun to watch him you know, I mean, if, if if he's another guy who can step up and compete with Brooks and DJ and Rory, I mean, golf, man, crazy. It's awesome, man. Week to week, like, it's just so many good players. Because we've been on Gary a lot this year. Like, we're pretty pro-Gary on this podcast. We like yeah. Gary. We, we play him a lot. And he's always been so close. He just can't, like, finish it. But that's why he's always priced in the middle. Like, he's always that mid guy where you're like, he's really good. He's only missed one cut, and that one cut was ridiculous when he missed it. Um, yeah. He's just a monster. And I, I was listening to his last night when I got home. They were replaying his uh, his interview in the in the media tent with the trophy and everything. And he talked about a few things. He said he spent like the last three years really learning how to play Poe well. That's why he plays it better now because he couldn't play it before. And it showed this week a lot. And then when they asked him about that that deal on seventeen, that chip, it's something I never would have imagined. But he said he started working with some new guy like nine, ten months ago, I think it was. And his chipping and around the green was so bad. The the coach made him hit off chip off a green for like thirty to sixty minutes a day. He, really? said, he said like the first week, the superintendents hated him. <laughs> but he was but the, the 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 pro kept saying if you can learn how to chip off of this, you can learn how to chip off of anything. And he made him do it over and over again. I'm like, holy crap, that's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, for for sure, man. I mean, that's that is that's actually a really good. It makes sense. A really good tip. Yeah, but, I mean, sense. you don't want to you don't want to go out to your local Mooney and just start no. chipping off the green. Yeah, no, we don't recommend that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're a pro golfer like Gary Woodland, and and you know the the course probably just deals with it. But um, yeah, it's wild. I mean, but the leaderboard otherwise too was was pretty yeah. stacked. You know, Brooks up there, obviously. What a fucking run for Brooks, yeah. man. I, um, I, I don't have two in wins in a, in a solo second in the last three years in, in the U.S. Open. It's just his it three majors this year: second win, second. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ! And he looked; he makes it look so easy out there. And somehow, I know, I know he was the highest price, but somehow he was less than ten percent owned in the millie this past week too, which you know just what? blows my mind. He'll probably less than ten percent at the Open too, and it's a links course where even if he's off target, he can probably go ham out there. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll be all over him there, but uh, he'll also probably be the highest price again. I mean, I know that's got yeah. something to do with it, but at the same time, you sometimes you just gotta you eat it, man. Play <laughs> the best guy. I mean, you know what I mean. Like when a guy's on a run like this, I mean, well, you know, like, nobody was gonna be fading Tiger back if we had yeah. DK back in the two thousands when Tiger was was going off. You know, everybody would be paying up fourteen, fifteen thousand for Tiger at that point. Um, but you know, John Rahm up there, he had a good showing. Justin Rose was interesting, man. You know, I mean, I, I talked about him at the on the pod last week, and he had a really odd week. Um, did not hit the ball well, and it really caught up with him on Sunday, where he shot three over par uh, and fell back to to a tie for third. But uh, otherwise, a, a good week. I mean, a lot of it was just around the greens and chipping chipping well, and then also, you know, obviously a good putter. Uh, Dude, what, was that, what was that like? Twenty two putts and round one. He had thirty four. Uh, he had thirty four one putts through his first three rounds. Justin Rose. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, yeah. His. I mean, the putter was just hot fire. I mean, he hit fifty percent of the greens and fifty percent of the fairways in round one. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, for, for the whole entire week, he hit fifty nine percent of the fairways and fifty four percent of the greens. It's just really bad, and that was in tie for sixtieth, basically. Um, but uh, you know, another stacked leaderboard, dude. I mean, Rory was up there. Henrik was up there. Louis came out nowhere. Another Xander, great open finish. Really good, really good Sunday, sixty-seven. Um, so yeah, I mean that. My only disappointment kind of was uh, DJ man. I mean he just uh, yeah. couldn't putt, which is surprising. Well, kind of surprising. Well, I mean, that's always greens. his Achilles heel. And yeah, I mean just I figured going into it like he knows these greens, he's going to yeah. be comfortable on them. He's going to feel good. No sir. Yeah, he lost seven strokes putting this week. Like if you just shitty. if you just add that on, you know, he's he's contending. He maybe makes you know people sweat a little more. It's just yeah. My that was my one and done pick too. Great time to use DJ. That was great. But um it, yeah, it was an awesome week. The leaderboard was great. Uh, we'll talk about some of these guys when we talk about players in the field, but like Victor Hovland, watching him for a couple days, this kid is freaking good. I'm pretty sure they probably drool over him all over the telecast, but the dude is really, really good. And he does not care about he. Okay, we're sitting on ten. Tiger's in the group right behind him. Tiger sticks one with really close for on eight from atop the crest. They're over the water. Sticks it, sticks it, and the crowd erupts behind us. And he's he's addressed his ball already. And he started to swing, and he could have stopped. He just kept going, and he piped one like nothing faced him at all. I watched <laughs> I watched other golfers stop on less while we were standing there. This right, kid, this kid didn't get phased by it. And just freaking, yeah, his launch one. He's going to be special. Yeah, like, no, I really, agree, really dude. Good. If you look at his stats too, we'll talk about this more here in a minute. But he played really well. He had a lot of uh, good tee shots, um, and obviously had a very good Sunday. 
Yeah, so we'll get into that. Like you can tell by kind of the way we're talking here, I could sit and talk about – I love we, – we love golf and major golf. And as long as it's competitive like it was this last weekend, I was pretty happy with that because it might not have been neck and neck coming into Sunday, but it was close enough to keep us interested for quite a while there. So Right. And that's that's all I ask for in a major. Make it don't the runaways kind of suck. Like I, if if it happens, it happens. But give me something to talk about, and they definitely did this week. All right, let's get into this week's PGA Tour actions. A much more loaded field than I thought. When I looked at the DraftKings pricing, I was like, "Holy crap! All these guys are actually playing at this event." It is the Travelers Championship, 156 man field, T70 and ties. They'll be at TPC River Highlands up in the northeastern Connecticut area. Uh, Jesse, why don't you give us some past event history? Um, so last year, Bubba Watson was the 2000, was the 2018 champion, which is obviously last year, uh, three shots. He shot 17 unders, three shot winner over Paul Casey, Stuart Singh, JB Holmes, and Bo Hostler. 2017 champion was, uh, Jordan Spieth in a playoff at 12 under over Daniel Berger. I think that's the, the year that Spieth chipped in out of the bunker there, wasn't it? You remember yeah. that? Yeah, it was. Um, the rake got thrown. Yeah. 2016, Russell Knox was the champion, 14 under, one shot over Jerry Kelly. Uh, so Bubba's won this golf tournament three times. Is you know obviously the third time was last year. Won in 15. He also won it in 10. Uh, Kevin Strillman's a past champion here. Mark Leishman's a past champion here. Stewie Sink has won this championship twice. The um, Stugoat. and uh, but last time was in 2008. And then Phil Mickelson is also. Won this championship twice as well. He won in 2002 and uh, 2001, back-to-back. Back-to-back champ, Phil. All right, yeah, it should be a fun tournament. And as you kind of mentioned with some names there, it's a tournament where all different types of players can be very successful. TPC River Highlands is a Pete Dye track. You'll hear that over and over, Pete Dye specialist. But there's actually some validity to it. I'm pretty sure Jesse can kind of agree with that there. Is Pete Dye is a special type of course. It's a very visually it can it can alter your decision makings if you haven't played it enough because it'll it'll kind of make you look at things a little differently, be a little distraction to you there. But some of actually what I actually played ninety holes of golf Thursday, Friday, and Saturday on a Pete Dye design this past weekend. Outstanding. I get to, yeah. there's there's one out here in Carmel, Carmel Valley Ranch. I play once or twice a year, and I once I played it the first time, I realize exactly what people talk about when they say how it can visually mess with your mind. Oh, you totally it, mind fucks you. Yeah, totally it, mind fucks you. Because once you walk up to your ball, you look at, you look back at the tee and like, God, I'm an idiot, or something along those lines all the time. <laughs> well, it's just he's constantly doing something that, like like you said, is a like an optical illusion type of thing. A lot of his greens also run. Uh, front to back, so they're sloped away yeah. from you. Uh, makes it a lot harder to stop the ball in the green. And you, at least on the on the courses that I've played, um, there's another Pete Dye design up in French Lake, Indiana that I've played as well. But they're a lot of fun to play. If you ever get a chance yeah. to play a Pete Dye design, I highly recommend it because they are fun. They're fun, and anyway. they and they're fun, and they won't destroy you as long as you kind of know where you're going. Like, right? They're not meant to just ruin your round. They're just meant to kind of make you think a little bit, play a little different right. golf. Well, and you get more comfortable on the more you play on them yeah. too. Um, more times you get around them, you know. So, uh, course history will be bigger, but go ahead. Yep, sixty eight hundred and forty yards, give or take. Here it's a par seventy, so not a long golf course. It's kind of a theme we've had a lot, Jesse. A lot of these par seventy, seventy ones, but just like shot makers courses, they're tree line fairways. There's bunkers and places where you kind of need to be accurate off the tee to avoid them or go over them. Unlike some of these other courses we've had, where it's been less than driver specifically. This you can bomb it, 
or you could not. It's one of those, like, you can take your chances. The The fairways are a little bigger than what we've had, but still the trees are there. The rough is not, like, super penal, but it will affect you a little bit because the biggest thing here is reading all the different quotes from guys. You need to be good. I know this is a wide range, but different guys have different thoughts on it based on how they get off the tee. But if you can hit good from, like, 1 to 150, so wedge shots, iron shots in, you're good because you want to be able to hit the greens. The greens are kind of a little undulating, but not horrible. But it's very hard to get up and down around the greens. So that'll penalize you big time. A lot of these guys said if you get an accurate shot off the tee, your approach game's good, you'll have a lot of chances of birdie. Like a lot, they said. You can go really low here. Uh, the greens, kind of average size. They're POA, a little bit of bent grass, different than the POA on the West Coast where they won't kind of get beat up a lot throughout the day, but they grow a bunch throughout the day. So a lot of the other quotes I said, if you're on the early tee time, so if you're playing showdown Thursday or Friday, think about this. A lot of low scores in the morning, not as many low scores in the afternoon. Keep that in mind. Uh, it's supposed to rain Tuesday and Wednesday. Supposedly will be clear through the rest of the week, just slight winds. So that also means the course might be a little damp, which means you're going to have a little more receptive greens, but also the rough might be growing out a little more because they couldn't maintain it. So keep that in mind. A few water hazards, but they won't come into play very often. Um, I think it's about all I have on this. It's yeah, super scorable. It's where Furyk shot is fifty-eight, so uh, you can make it happen. But if if you're not hitting greens, you got to be really good around the green. I got to emphasize that a lot. So approach game is going to be key. What kind of stats are you looking at this week, Jesse? A lot of course history, so I'll use that. But uh, also greens and regulation. Um, a little bit more accuracy for, over distance. I mean, I know Bubba is obviously a past champion here, and. Look at some of the other guys, um, like Leishman. You know, he gets it. He gets it pretty, pretty far off the tee. But for the most part, it's more of your kind of short hitters. I mean, Spieth is a past winner here, and he's not super lengthy. So more, more guys are just keeping the fairway versus bomb it way out there. Um, and so, strokes can approach if you're on uh, Fancy National um, proximity from 125 to 150, 150 to 175. Birdie or better. A lot of par fours here, 450 to 400 to 450. Kind of it. Yep. I'm pretty much on the same page with you there. So, a little fan share sports, real quick. If you didn't take them up on their 50% off offer and you wanted to try them, I don't know what you're waiting for, but you can still get 25% off by using pro, promo code always press, all one word, all lowercase letters, always press. It's going to some of the last, uh, the information they have your last four travelers' events, average DraftKings scoring. Paul Casey's played in all four, and he leads the way at 97.5 DK points on average here. And it's a lot like a Valspar course, so that makes a lot of sense. Brooks has played this twice. He's averaged over 94 points. Jordan Spieth over 92. Of course, he won it. Russell Henley over 90. Hoffman, 90. Lahiri, Bubba Watson's played all four and gotten almost 88. Danny Lee, Cantlay, and Bo Hostler have all played really, really well at this event. If you do Pete Dye courses, the last 10 Pete Dye courses – and obviously, not all these guys play ten, but some guys that have played, you know, a handful. Kisner averages over eighty-three points on Pete Dye. He's a specialist. Molly almost eighty-two. Cantlay almost eighty points in uh, Pete Dye courses, and so on and so forth. You know, you'll hear uh, Siwoo Kim's a specialist here, and many, many more. And lastly, guys with good current form and good course history coming into the weekend: Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth are on the list. Cantley, Kevin Tway actually plays really well here, surprisingly. Um, and then Russell Knox, Emiliana Grio, uh, Tyler Duncan, Mackenzie Hughes, and many, many more. 
All right, before we get into DraftKings scoring, want to give a little shout out to our boy at Fantasy Sports DGens and Slack chat over there. Mitch, Mitch crushed it. The eight dollar five max took it down for five thousand dollars over the weekend. That was pretty damn cool watching him sweat it out every day, getting the updates, and he took it down six to six lineup. Uh, awesome stuff for Mitch right there. The wild thing about that lineup is, is he was really he was sitting really well after Thursday, except for Webb Simpson. And of course, then you have to have to root for the chalk, and then sixty percent get six to six or forty percent, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, dude, hell of a score for him. Congrats on that. Yep, I had I think I had four of the same six guys he had in my five of six lineup, and I lost because of George, uh, Justin Thomas. That was fun. That was I had really two fun. six of sixes that didn't cash. Well, I guess I shouldn't say too much then, but uh, <laughs> basically, what could have been is what I'm trying to tell myself. I'm with Holy you. shit, man! Like the, I had. Yeah, it's frustrating, but don't take it away from Mitch. Mitch has a hell of a lineup, and some other guys did really, really well. Um, Sean and uh, Eli and I was doing well, C.H. Rudy. Uh, there's a handful of dudes that crushed it between Showdown and uh, other actions. So join us in the Slack chat. It's free, guys, and that, that keeps saying it each week. I know Jesse talks about it. The golf chat keeps cranking up more and more. I love having the activity in there because Jesse and I, we talk to each other all the time via text and stuff, so we're not gonna just going to sit there and talk to each other in the Slack chat. But if there's ever questions, Jesse's usually there. I'm there. Someone's there. Kevin's in there a lot now. Come join us. It's it's a blast just talking golf and helping each other build lineups. So come join us and make it happen. But, Jesse, let's get into the Travelers. Some, like I said, a really loaded field, 10K and above. we got five guys. we got Brooks at 11.8. got Cantlay at 11.3. Spieth, 10.7. Molly, 10.3. And Jason Day at 10,000. This is a weird week because the 6K sucks, but uh, you might be able to make it work. What do you like up here? Yeah, it's not nearly as comfortable as it was last week going up and, and grabbing Brooks. And for that reason, I mean, I'll take Brooks all day, every day. Um, a 19th, 9th, and 51st in his last three appearances here. A 19th was last year, six, uh, 2016 he finished 9th, 2014 he finished 51st. Um, you know, probably going into it, most people will, will be of the, you know, he doesn't give a shit. Um but then again, you, I mean, you could spin that the other way. You know, he could finish second. He didn't win last week. Um, maybe we get an angry Brooks again, a slighted Brooks who brings his A game and uh, really bears down, or maybe he doesn't even hardly try and still whips everybody's ass. So I'll take Brooks. Uh, I think Cantlay at 11-3 also is okay. Um, I mean, from the stats perspective, he, he's he's definitely hitting the ball well. A decent week last week, finished 15th here last year. 21st last uh, last week and obviously won the Memorial two weeks ago. And that was after a third, third, and a ninth in his last three appearances before the Memorial. Dude's just putting on a ball striking clinic. So those are the two guys for me up top here, the two highest price guys. Um, you know, I, I don't – you tell me, is it a is it a Molly week or not? Yes, it is Molly week. This, <laughs> okay. this, this fits him to a T. You would like, think. He struck the ball so well last week. Like his, he struck it really, really well. His short game, like you, we talk about it a lot. You talk about it all the time. You always, when you talk about you playing Molly, and you always joke. Well, now I'm looking forward to him, like three putting from three feet or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it that was his kryptonite. I don't have all the stats in front of me, but it just felt like that was his kryptonite last week. Was his putting because he played really, really well. Especially on the, he started really hot on Sunday because um, I had him in, I had him in one of those six six lines. So I needed him to go. And when he was going, it was looking good. And then he just, the wheels came off about nine or something. And anyways, um, 
So, I mean, if, if you say so, then I guess I'll have to do it. Yeah, and like I agree with you on Brooks. 11-8 is insane, but he's earned everything about it. Like I've I've become a Brooks fanboy. I know I might be a little late to the party. I've never not liked him, but watching his swag, I respect the shit at what he does out there. Like yeah. a guy with that much confidence and he backs it up, I will respect the hell out of you. Like it was it was cool to watch. And he's totally humble about it too. Like he like Woodland just outplayed me. But like you said, he could either come in with two factors. He could be the guy that it's not a major, so he goes and finishes 35th, which we've seen many times. Or it's, I finished second place. I know I should have won that tournament. I'm going to go truck these people at this course right now. Like, I can see him going either either way with that. I think Cantley's a great pick. I think Cantley's going to be pretty popular at 11-3. I've heard his name a lot already, and I haven't even listened to much. But he seems very, very popular. So I'm going Molly. If I'm going up here, I'm going Molly at 10-3. Just when you're looking at a, a shot maker's golf course, it screams a guy like Francisco Molinari. It really, really does. And uh, I'll, I'll roll that dice with him again. Again, if he's not making make hitting greens, it could get dicey. But for now, I'll go Molly and uh, go from there. But in reality, I think I'm going to be spending a lot of time a little lower. And let's get lower. Let's get in the 9K range. you got Casey at, or Justin Thomas at 98, uh, Casey at 95, Fleetwood at 93, DeChambeau at 92, Leishman at 91, and Tony Finau at 9,000. If anybody's worried about Justin Thomas, it was his putting that screwed him again. He's healthy because on Sunday he was playing Cypress Point, so he's just fine. But um, what do you got here in the 9K range? Yeah, give me the, all the Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, you know, Casey obviously made the cut last week, finished 21st. He had a good Sunday. Um, Fleetwood, I, you know, his game is it's in a weird place. Um, he made the cut, but he played like ass. I mean, he, he, he never even disinterested on Sunday. He, he, he never even broke par. He shot 71, 73, 73, but now he still has not missed a cut since the Open Day France. Uh, God, I've got such good um, accents. It's outrageous how good my accents are. Um, back in July. So, I mean, the guy may not be contending. Um, he really hasn't been in contention since the players, uh, I guess, kind of at the British Masters. But as far as the PGA Tour goes, since the Players' Championship, where he's top five there, um, you know, his course history here, he's never played. So, you know, how he's going to fare, I don't know. But those would be the two guys for me here. I mean, I, obviously, Leishman is a defense, as a past champion that was in 2012. Um, you know, he's hit or miss. Uh, Bryson, he had a decent showing. He just never could really keep it all together at the U.S. Open. Um, it's obviously not a really great comp here, but I don't really like him. Finau, no. Um, I just can't do it at this point. He's just his. I don't know where his game's at, man. It's really odd. He, he has okay course history, but just had a really weird year yeah, for Tony really Finau. We really expected him to have a great year, and it's just been a you know an average, very very kind average, kind of disappointing actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm with you, Casey, all the way. I uh, love Casey here. Like in reality, jumping back on Justin Thomas might be the way to go here. Like in a, in a GPP sense, because literally when you look at his ball striking yet again, this has been a trend. Like two weeks ago, he missed the cut. His ball striking was great. Ball striking was great again this past week. He just couldn't putt. It was as simple as that. Um, not saying it's going to change this week, but a guy that strikes the ball as well as JT does, GPP wise, this could be very interesting. I think you'll get him very low owned. Well, but, I, it, it's it's been weird with him. Like his ownership has been at the Memorial, his first tournament back, twenty seven percent. He was the chalk. He missed the cut. 22% the Canadian Open and then down to 16% at the U.S. Open where the pricing was a little bit softer and a lot of options around there. So, I mean, obviously, if it continues that downward trend, I'm all over that. But if he's going to be chalky, man, I, I, just, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't want a chalky JT, but I think a lot of people are going to go to a $9,500 Casey. Cause yeah, I'd say I, you're probably right. I, and I don't blame anybody. Like You like him. I like him a lot. I think his course fits Casey phenomenally. I'm just saying if we come to Wednesday night and JT like projected less than 10%, I'm very, very intrigued by that predicament because um, as much as he burned me last week, I know how good he can be, and that is a, an interesting spot to be in. But I like Casey. I agree with your Fleetwood takes. And then Leishman, I think, is a very good play at 9100 bucks. I think there's a lot to like there with Leash. Uh, you know, he was playing with Tiger on Sunday. That can't be easy, but he seemed to just kind of be having a good time. Shot one over on Sunday, T35 overall. He had a fifth of the Memorial past winner here. Uh, I think there's some upside to Leishman at 9100 bucks, and then he gets quite overlooked at that price point. So give me some Leishman at 91 Let's get to the 8K range. You got uh, three-time champ Bubba Watson at 8900 Another guy that struck the ball really well, surprisingly, last week, but uh, couldn't putt and get around the green. You got Usti at 88, Mickelson at 87, Sneds at 86, Reeve at 85, Reeve at, at or Reed at 85, Reeve at 84, Kokrak 83, Streelman 82, Hoffman 81, and your boy Berger, 8000 bucks. And by the way, Berger pipes it. Absolutely pipes it. But um, what do you got here in the 8K range? Um, I'll start with Bubba. I mean, so there's a couple different ways to go with Bubba. Either, you know, everybody's going to talk about he's three-time champion, you know, um, this is his type of course, but this is like Bubba has just like certain courses. He's probably never going to win a U.S. Open. Um, he probably will never win a PGA championship. He might win the Masters again. Um, I don't really know his history at the Open Championship, but, I mean, he missed the cut last year. Long story short, he missed the cut last year at the U.S. Open and turned around and won this golf tournament the next the next week. It's the same exact setup, almost almost to the day um, that the U.S. Open ended last year. And then he turns around and wins the the Travelers Championship the next week. So, uh, I'll watch and see how chalky he is projected to be. If he's chalky, I don't know. If he's not, I mean, when I say not, less than fifteen percent is, I think, a good number on Bubba. Um, but he will get a lot of tags. So it'll be interesting to see if that actually translates into being really chalky. Um, moving on down, uh, Ches Reeve, man, you know, I talked about him last week um, and he had a really, really good week. And I think they showed like two shots of his on Sunday with his opening tee shot and like his last putt. Um, no laying up guys were like all over the fact that Fox just refused to show him. Uh, and he was like, they did show him a couple of times when he was smiling, when Brooks was just making. When he was in Brooks' shot, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like after Brooks, I think birdied five or whatever, and he was four into through five, like Chez turns around and he's smiling or whatever. Cause it's like, he's just like, holy shit. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to sit here and watch this all day. Um, and then you didn't see him again until I think like 17. And he actually hit a really good shot in the 17, but he hit three wood. Everybody else was hitting like four iron. <laughs> anyway, Chez, uh, Kokrak, man, he's, uh, he's interesting. Um, so miscut last year, but 26th the year before, 34th and 48th in the three years prior to that. And he's kind of, you know, obviously coming off the memorial, he finished 62nd at the memorial, but week off, uh, a couple weeks off now. Um, I'll go back to him at 8,300. Strillman, too, at 8,200. Uh, past winner here. Um, fourth at the Memorial cha- at the memorial Tournament there um, and has made five straight cuts on tour. And then last but not least, Berger. Um, obviously finished second here to Jordan Spieth in 2017. Last year, he was 67th. 
not really worried about that, but he is just continuing to make out, just turn out cuts. And like I keep saying, eventually it'll all come together for him and he will have um, a good weekend and get into contention. So 8,000 bucks in this, in this field, I like a lot. Yep. I don't hate that at all. Uh, Bubba, I, I'd imagine he's going to be popular because between winning here and the term Pete Dye specialist, because he plays well, is it Riviera that's a Pete Dye? I think there's one down south that he plays really well at. He plays well at shot shaper courses, as people say. So Bubba 89 is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But I think Usti interesting in 88 coming off last week's good performance. Maybe feeling feeling the groove there and striking the balls. We know Usti can when he sleeps in the right bed. Uh, Ches Reeve at 84, I like a lot. I think keep riding the hot here. We've seen Reeve at times he goes on streaks. Let's see if he does it here, or maybe it's just a one-week thing, because it was a T3. He missed the cut at the Charles Schwab, but then a PGA Championship of 14th, Wells Fargo in 18th, a 28th at the Heritage. So you know, four of his last five events, he's actually played really, really well. He, for the most part, he's pretty accurate off the tee, and that's what you're looking for here with an approach game. The putting's usually kind of suspect with him, but he likes Poa Greens. It could be interesting with Reeve at 84. I like that quite a bit. Uh, you mentioned Kokrak. This guy hasn't missed a cut all year and just continually gets it done. He was on that run for a while there. He's kind of hiccuped a little bit of late, but I think you could maybe jump back on him at 8,300. And then Berger, I'm 100% on board with you. The dude's getting closer and closer. Um, I think you're you're going to get it here pretty soon with him. It's all going to come together. And uh, I think at $8,000, uh, it's, it's a good risk-reward type deal at that price point with Berger. So I'm on board with you there. I like Chez and uh, Kokrak the most in this range for me, but that's where I'm looking at. All right, seven. 500 and above, Jesse. We've got a handful of guys. Who are you looking at here? Uh, start right up top with uh, Gurdio, um, 7,900. Uh, two straight made cuts here in his last two appearances, 19th last year, 43rd the year before. Um, didn't have a good weekend. You know, he started pretty good at the U.S. Open, uh, shot three under the first day, but then three over, three over, and two over to finish it out. Uh, had a really good showing at the Memorial, Memorial Tournament. So, um, I like him. I love H- Hovland, but like, I'm scared of the chalk. Yeah, it's it, he's not going to be not popular. I don't think, especially at that price coming off. You know, they had a they had him on Fox after um, his round where he shot four under on Sunday, broke Jack Nicholas's scoring record, which I'm sure Jack will put an asterisk by himself since it wasn't on a U.S. Open, quote-unquote, U.S. Open course. Even though he won a U.S. Open there. All right. I mean, but you know how Jack is. Anyways, long story short on Hovland, I love him, but, like, you know, first, this is going to be his first start as a as a tour pro. He's turning pro now, so it's going to be a little bit of a different mindset, a little bit of a different setup for him. Um, just depending on how chalky he is or how many, how much buzz. I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of buzz this week, so it'll be interesting. But my pivot off of him is Russell Knox. Um, looking at some course history stats, he really stands out. 38th last year, 62nd the year before, and he won it in 2016 and made two straight cuts on tour. Did miss the cut to PGA Championship. Not a huge deal. Um, but I, I just – Obviously, the course history is there, and and I, I really feel like people will flock to this seventy nine hundred range with with Grillo and and, and Hovland. So, uh, give me all the Russell Knox at seventy seven. Yeah, oh, like and that. then Bud, Bud Collie again as well. Bud Collie at seventy six hundred for the same reason as Russell Knox. He just stands down the, and he's kind of trending upwards as far as his form goes too. For but, sure. 
Uh, I like Victor Hovland quite a bit, but I'm not playing him chalky, like you said. That's just not going to happen. The kid's good. He could he could win this whole thing if he really wanted to. Like he's very very talented. If it's a birdie fest, he can attack greens. But uh, I'll sit and low owned, yes. If not, no. Grio is a great play as well when it comes to ball striking. Extraordinaire at seventy nine hundred bucks, very good play. But so is Binion at seventy eight. There's a lot to like. There's Binion had a good finish last week. T sixteen at T seventeen at the Memorial. A good iron player in his own right, uh, seventy hundred bucks. I think he's a very, very good play there. I love the Russell Knox call. He's another guy with you know approach game iron play. We talk about a lot, so I'm with you there. Um, Kevin Kisner is interesting to me. He's a guy that plays really well on Pete Dye. We talked about the last ten Pete Dye events. You know, T forty nine last week, T forty one to Memorial. He's kind of had an up and down season, but he won that uh, match play in Mexico at a Pete Dye course. Plays really, really well at those type of courses. You know, you hear the the uh, Valspar comparisons. He T twenty four to the Valspar. Some some interesting things to look at with Kevin Kisner at seventy seven hundred bucks. Probably overlooked too because I don't think he'll get a ton of attention there. Um, another guy we talk about kind of shorter courses, less than driver necessary courses. Just ball striking. Adam Hadwin. You know, sixth at the Canadian, but fifty second at the Memorial, 29th at the PGA, thirty eighth at Wells Fargo, T forty eight at the Heritage. He'll go super low on at seventy six hundred bucks, so he could be a play for you. I'd rather have Kisner potentially, and then lastly, Danny Lee plays really well at iron courses, approach game courses like this. So I like him at seventy five hundred bucks. Uh, I think this seven K range is going to be the fun range because you can make arguments for a lot of golfers here, and you can really get your ownership here in seven K range to not have to worry about the high guys as much. That's my two cents on this. That's why I'll probably name off more than most people would in this range. But uh, there's a lot of ways to pivot here. Is basically what I'm trying to say. What do you got at 7,400 and below, Jesse? Uh, start with Kevin Toy. You mentioned him earlier. Um, he's played well here before. He finished sixth there last year, 43rd the year before, and in 2014 he finished 26th. He has made five straight cuts on tour after missing six straight cuts on tour. So he's figured something out, um, started to play better. Uh, Matthew Wolf, uh, another Oklahoma State, I guess alum. Uh, I'm guessing that him and Hovland have both graduated. Um, anyways, long story short on him, 7,300. Not going to show up on anybody's stat models. He did play in a PJ Tour event this year. Uh, I don't know if he's turning pro or if he's just got a, an exemption or something. He was heavily um, talked about that first event. Do you have his ownership on that one by chance? Phoenix Open? Yeah. Yeah, three 3%. That's it? Okay, good. So he was talked about a ton, but maybe everyone backed off. Yeah, he was $6,000. He made the cut um, there and finished 50th. Um, so he, he'd be interesting, you know, kind of a pivot off of Hovland again. Um, and then Nick Watney at 7,200, another interesting guy. Sebastian Munoz at 7,200. He missed the cut here. His only appearance in 2017, but his – has finished 11th at the at the Canadian, uh, 7th at the Rex Hospital Open, which is a web.com event, 10th at the Byron Nelson Championship, and 38th at the Wells Fargo Championship. So um, has been playing well of late. Troy Merritt is another guy at 7,100, um, and Mackenzie Hughes. I think you mentioned him in the, the fan share deal as well. Both those guys, um, you know, 7,100 bucks. Uh, those would be my my two guys down there that low with with Munoz. I like the Matthew Wolf call. That could be a fun one there. Uh, Siwoo Kim, you're going to hear that a lot because he plays Pete Dye very very well. Seventy four hundred bucks. He's played well here before as well, so that could be interesting. But where I'm going to go down here, and this is kind of his recent form, and 
getting to actually watch them a couple days is Sepp Straka, the rookie at 7,100 bucks. It's a big dude that can hit it really, really well. T28 at the Open, uh, T60 at Canadian, T29 at Byron Nelson in his last three events. Missed a couple cuts and a T26 at Punta Cana. But this dude's a really good iron player. I was really, really impressed with what I saw from him. Uh, doesn't mean he can't miss the cut at 7,100 bucks as a, as a rookie. But I think there's upside with him um, before the weekend. Let me pull his stats back up here. You know, he had a 76 on, on Saturday. Other than that, he played really, really well. So, I think there's some upside there with Sepp. Um, Harris English is actually swinging it really well. I know it's not a name that gets talked about a ton. $7,000. Uh, he was T58 last week, but T20 at the Canadian Open, T43, T54, T25 in his last few events. I don't mind him at $7,000 to make the cut and maybe, maybe run into a T25 or something for you. So I think there's upside there at 7000 So I guess I like more of the 7500 and above than the 7400 and below. But that Straka and, and English calls, I think I'll get a super low ownership. And it'll help me out a ton. I was super surprised to see Straka's name up there. And I guarantee 99% of people watching are like, who the fuck is that? Um, He's a big boy, dude. Big is he? boy. Yeah, I was shocked when I saw him on the practice day on Tuesday and then again on Sunday. He's a big, big dude. And he, 60, 67 good. on Sunday is legit, too. He played terrible on, Saturday, obviously, on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, but, killed him. but to come back with a 67 on Sunday is impressive. Yeah, he's, he's playing good, and I think the way I saw him hitting his irons there, if that's all he needs to do here, I think he might be in. Hey, he's a rookie. First time at a course could be interesting, but I think there's upside there for sure. Um, 6K range, it's interesting down here, Jesse. Very, very interesting. Where are you looking at? You start. All right, I got Nick Taylor at 6900 bucks, coming in in good form. Um, the last two events he's been in, the U.S. Open, a T43, Canadian T27. I'm afraid this guy might be popular, but he's really playing well. Colin Morikawa out of uh, Cal, T35 at the Open, T14 at the Canadian Open. And he's just a really small, just consistently keeping it in play player right down the middle. Doesn't do anything too fancy, but like you look at his four rounds at the Open, his four rounds at the Canadian Open, nothing fancy, but just doesn't screw up. He only had 18 birdies last week. I say only 18, but that's really good at a U.S. Open course for your first time, and then you'll have eight birdies at the Canadian Open. So keeps it in place, keeps himself out of trouble. Um, the other two I'm looking at for now until something might change, I think um, Vaughn Taylor, he always plays these small courses really well. Maybe not contending, but he's going to make a cut for you, make it interesting. And then Brian Gay is another guy I like on uh, approach game type courses. He's very tilting because if certain – like his, his putting's off, it's a nightmare. But usually his iron plays really, really good. So Gay at 67 could be could be a good one. What about you? Yeah, the Colin Morikawa guy. Didn't somebody in the Slack chat mention him last week? I think so. And that's, I think, like, that's the only reason why I knew what his name was. And I saw him walking around. I was like, okay, let me see who this guy is. I'd never even heard of him. He just signed with uh, Adidas. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't either. And, uh, anyways, I, I, I like that call. Another guy at 6900 is Peter Molnati. Um, don't mind him a bit. Uh, moving on down, Tom Hogue. Hoagie, whatever, 6,500, uh, just from a course history standpoint. Um, and then also Scott Langley at 6,400, another guy just from a course history standpoint. Um, it, you know, it, it's they're, they're hit and miss, but, you know, Langley finished 25th here in, ele- in 11th in 2015 and 2014. He did make the cut of Canadian Open. He missed a bunch of cuts before that. Tom Hogue. Every other year making the cut, this should be the year for him, but uh, just kind of another hit and miss guy. And then they got Lebiota too. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's several options down here in this range. It's just, it's not nearly like 
um, last week. So it's a little bit, it's a lot more uncomfortable. Yeah, a lot more uncomfortable. At least, at least seventy guys make the cut. And uh, and you mentioned um, who'd you mention before Lavota there? Um, uh, Hoagie and uh, Langley. Hoagie made the cut at the Open, so he played played the weekend, which is always a good thing. But that leads me to my question for you. I should have asked it earlier, but I'll ask it now. Do you have any concern with guys that played all four weeks at Pebble and flew out last night or either this morning to the Northeast? Uh, did you, well, first of all, did you see Chip McDaniel finished his round about 18 hours ago or probably 24 hours ago now? Well, at the time, it was like 18 hours before and then Monday qualified for this event. Are you serious? Yeah. That is wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of guys will take today off and travel and then probably have real light shit going on tomorrow and then play some golf on Wednesday. Um, you know, you could lean more on course history just for that reason. Uh, if it's a brand new guy who's never seen the course, you might want to, you know, give the edge to the guy who's seen the course a little bit more or potentially didn't play last week, but I'm not super worried about it. Yeah, most of these guys travel pretty well. Not all of them, but most of them do. And a lot it of does these, suck, yeah. though, that they're going from the West Coast to the East Coast. I agree yeah. with that. That's just – that's my concern, but like the big boys are flying private, so I think they'll be okay. Um, let's recap things real quick. 10K and above, give me your top play, Justin. Uh, Brooks. I'm going to go Molinari. Uh, 9K range, give me your top play. Paul Casey. Yeah, I'll go Casey with you there too. Um, 8K range, give me two guys. Bubba and Burger, the sandwich. I like that. I'm going to go Reevy and Kokrak. Uh, 7,500 and above. Give me two. Uh, 7,500 and above. Um, Knox and Collie. I'm going to go uh, to make it different. I like the Knox call a ton. I'll go Grio and Kisner. Um, 7,400 and below. Give me two. Uh, Munoz and, um, Kevin Tway, man. Let's see if fucking top on that fucking tilt train. <laughs> Short game extraordinaire. Um, I'm going to go Straka in English and give me one guy below 7K. Um, The one guy below 7K. I didn't mention this guy before, and I'm going to go ahead and just throw him out there now, Tringali. He, from a, like a stats perspective, he lines up better than anyone down in here, and he's actually decently high on the model. So I'll say him from a non-stats perspective. I mean, Morikawa. That's where I'm going. I'm going more Kawa. I might be crazy. It might, it might be popular now, so I'm not paying. Do not go in, all in yeah. on that guy. Don't go all in on anybody down here. But uh, I'd rather I'd rather go all in on Straka in English than I would anybody down there. That's how I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to stay out of there by playing Straka in English as much as I can. But uh, more would be my guy down below. But I'm, I'm just I want to see what his ownership is this week. After kind of just, he's more known now. Let's put it that way. For sure. All right, if you're building a GPP lineup, give me three guys you'd start it with at this point in time. Uh, Brooks, Munoz, and um, man, I'm just going to say Kokrak because, I mean, I got to. Yeah, this some people might not consider this GPP, but I'll, I'm going to go with it. Leishman, Bubba, and Berger. That's my, my GPP stack. Some might consider that more cashy, but – that's my GPP way. Um, if you're starting cash, I'm going to start with Casey, Chez, and Kokrak. Where would you start in cash? Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Casey, I, I would throw Grillo in there as cash worthy, um, and then Knox as well. 
yeah, I think you can make a fun cash line this week that has GPP upside for sure. Like the old story, like our boy Hamdog mentioned to our boy Rob, who was leading his his cash game lineup. Uh, he says you always play your cash in a GPP. Always play it in some form of GPP. Um, last but not least, got some winners for me, Jesse? No, I have no idea who's going to win this. Um, <laughs> well, why you think uh, about it? <laughs> go ahead. I got Usti at thirty-three to one. I think that's got some some merit to it. Uh, Kisner at seventy-five to one has some merit to it, and I'll leave one of them for you because I know you're going to go to him. What is Bubba? Bubba is he's thirty-five to one. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't mind that for Bubba. Um, the other guy that I would I would consider is Knox. He's got to be. Yeah. 75, 60, 60? Uh, yeah, that's why I left that one alone. I figured you'd want him or Burger's nice. 80, 80 to 1. Oh, definitely go Burger over Knox if you got 80 to 1 on Burger. Yeah. And your boy Tway's won 10 to 1. I didn't realize, though, that like that's not very good odds on Knox. Oh, no. So, and he's like mispriced then per the odds at down at 77 versus, I mean, it's not that far off, but hmm. this, this could be I, one of those weeks, though, where a long shot could take this thing. It's one of those courses. Oh, 100%. One of those courses, it's just got that feeling that a long shot could take it. I keep scrolling through them, and nothing's really ringing a bell yet, but there's names down here that it wouldn't shock me if something weird happened. Like, you know, Teeter's 250 to one. Um, Where's – I'm looking for your boy Tringali. I must have passed him. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys down here, so I'm not going to – except Strzok is 200 to one. I don't think he's going to win it, but I'd take a T20 and see what that pays out. I, I like him a lot, so. I think Straka is pretty interesting, but uh, any other odds you're looking at here? No, man, I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible better. All right. Well, any final words for DK when it comes to the Travelers Championship? Um, I don't. Uh, hope the energy level gets back up by Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, it's always it always sucks coming off of these big time tournaments. Um, but man, hell, we're just a Fucking month away from uh, the yeah, next one, the Open Championship. So, can't wait. Golf season is just flying by, dude. It's flying by, and it's been absolutely awesome. The winners have been great. It's it's been a fun year of golf. So, it makes Mondays. You know, Mondays usually suck, but it makes talking golf with you a lot better because at least something fun to talk about. So, we will continue to, to bang this out. And if again, if you guys have any questions, Jesse's on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. I'm at BD Entrick, and the podcast is at Always Press DFS. But join us in the Fantasy Sports Degen Slack chat. Just ask one of us. We'll get you an invite, and we'll rock and roll it for you. And you'll have a lot of fun in there as well. It does all sports, not just golf. Talks everything in there. But uh, until next week, this was the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast, previewing the 2019 Travelers Championship. Catch you guys later. Ready to show, go, go, go.